It's Thursday, Thursday, Thursday! Prepare to have your minds annihilated as Patreon proudly presents the Creators Collective Podcast, featuring the Breaker of Boards, James Wright, the Melder of the Metal, Zach Herber Holt. And the leveler of lumber, William Walker. The first five live listeners will get the free special bonus of having their questions answered on air. Now on with the mayhem. And we're back for another fantastic week of the Creators Collective. And I am so thankful you are all here to join us, particularly those of you in the live chat. And uh, we do this every Thursday, uh, well, usually if we're here, uh, 10 a.m. Eastern time. And if you want to join us in the live chat, you can have your questions answered and uh, be part of the fun of the background and help distract us so that we get off topic. <laughs> but this week, we've got a, a fun time planned as we normally do. But this week is an extra, extra special fun time because we have the one the only the kyle toth say hey kyle hello everybody how's it going and and for those of you who are wondering in the audio yes he is wearing clothes um so you you can join us for the live chat and, and still be safe <laughs> well at least he's wearing clothes from the waist up <laughs> yes that's all we actually you know, know that's like a joke with other podcasts and stuff like that but for me it's a real thing <laughs> <laughs> There's a video online somewhere where it was like some news station in like India or something. And it looked legit. I'm sure it was probably a setup, but it was like this newscaster. And they like, as they panned out the camera, it was really just like this giant painting behind him of the cityscape. And he was like wearing shorts. <laughs> well, I do also want to say a big thank you to our patrons on Patreon, particularly Darren Mates for being our, our top patron. If you'd like to help us out and support the channel, that is probably the best place. We're going to be doing a few new fun things with it, especially as we're soon going to be getting shirts and swags. Um, I want to say a huge thank you to our two new patrons, uh, Derek Fendale and William Wright. I love the last name. I can sp I, I can pronounce that one. <laughs> As, nice. as long as you actually think, pronounce it right. As soon as we get some, as soon as we get our swag, I'm waiting for my uh, graphic designer guy to come up with a, a logo for us, and then I'm going to get some T-shirts printed, and I'm going to hook up some of our patrons. So if you're thinking about leaving us, at least wait until we send you a shirt. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Well, let's uh, let's dive into what we got going on. Zach, uh, why don't you hit us off? Well, wait, well, why don't we start with Kyle since he's our special guest? Okay. Yeah. Well, whatever. That's cool. this is what we're working on, just like this past week or something like that. Yeah. What are you working on? What do you have going on in your shop? Uh, so I just put in like this giant like uh, fireplace unit uh, with like an electric fireplace, and I got one of these. It's like a RFID uh, card reader that like uh, unlocks this like secret door that like is behind these panels, and uh, so that's up. That thing's pretty cool. That thing. Uh, I saw that. Yeah. It's really cool. That that little card reader thing is pretty amazing. They're like thirty five bucks. Really? Yeah. Is that like the same ones that they have at like hotel rooms? Yeah, I think it's basically the same thing. It works the same way. Uh, but like you could program the cards to like so they say if someone found the card, you could program it where like you have to tap it four times to like oh, wow. open the door. So even like if someone finds the key, they can't always get in. So it's like it's a lot of custom customization you can do with it. I don't so know. I've been, like, I've been playing around with that. Like now, I'm like trying to figure out how to put those locks on basically everything in my house. Uh, <laughs> you know, just to like, why not? How cool um, would that be if, like, instead of the safety locks on the power <laughs> tools, you know, like the child locks, if they had like those cards, that'd be yeah, kind of cool. Slide a card to use this thing. Fingerprint yeah. scanners. Yeah, and then uh, I made a, a bowl out of OSB and Winye, 
uh, just Whoa. had a bunch of OSB laying around. And I don't know if you've ever seen OSB turn, but it looks pretty cool. Huh. All the laminations kind of going every different which way. I would not have even thought that were possible. I would think they would just like explode. Yeah. Yeah, it, it got pretty thin and there's some holds in it because I got it down to like an eighth of an inch and the OSB has just got some voids in it. Um, so I wouldn't recommend going that thin. But it looks it looks really cool. I've seen people do it out of like glue lamp beams. Mm -hmm. uh, and that looks really, really cool too because then you don't have to glue up OSB. Um, so that was just like experimenting, just, you know, cheap material, wanted to turn something. Um, and then I started on this Art Nouveau table. Uh, it's kind of like an Art Deco Art Nouveau table. It's uh, the legs are twelve quarter mahogany. A lot, a lot of shaping going on. So that's probably going to be like a two week build or so. So I'm just getting going. Is it more that. Art Deco or or more mm, Art Nouveau? The legs are Art Nouveau because they're like very curvy. The um, what do they call it? Whiplash lines. Kind of yeah. Where yeah. they the stuff kind of yeah like the the snap. It's like where they recess mm -hmm. like a carving line, and so it looks like there's like shadows and different layers on it. Mm -hmm. Um, but then there's like a box frame that goes on top and that one's very art deco. So it's, it's interesting. Like, both. so you went to school for like furniture design and all that, right? Mm -hmm. Like, did you guys study? I'm sure you did. Did you guys study like kind of the art history and like the, the mo different movements and furniture and like a little bit, it was mainly 18th century American furniture. Yeah. So we, I, I mean, we studied it within like pieces you know, but it wasn't like there was classes that you had to like take on this. It was more like we'd go to museums, we'd go to different art things and, you know, measure the furniture and take pictures of it, you know, try to figure out made yeah. it. So, yeah. so would that be like a lot of like Windsor and Queen Anne, the high boy stuff? and Yeah, a lot, a lot of Windsor, Queen Anne, Shaker, um, you know, the Philadelphia, Boston style, like carvings of Ball and Claw and uh, the shell carvings, things like that. I didn't particularly like making that. I, mean, I shouldn't say that. I like making that stuff, but I don't really enjoy that type of furniture for myself. So I would take that, that type of like joinery and skill and, you know, all the things that go into it and try and put that on my own pieces. Yeah. In school. So. I, I think that, yeah, I mean, I think that's one of the more interesting aspects is like looking at taking a step back and like reading books on like the, the history of, um, cause everything's connected. I mean, painting and just general art architecture furniture like everything kind of influences itself so i mean you look at you know different furniture and you know there's a pronounced difference between you know the that stuff and like the art um it was art nouveau that was first which is more like swirly kind of light curvy stuff and then you had like the art deco which is um a lot of like actually african influence patterns mm -hmm. like that was like around the time of the, they call it Egyptomania when everybody was obsessed with Egyptian stuff. So it's, it's kind of cool just to, to like dig into the backstory of what caused these movements yeah. and to try and like work those different elements into a piece. So I haven't yeah. seen what you're working on, but it's it cool really to exciting. see like the French art deco looks a lot different than the American art deco too. Huh. So it's cool to see like different countries that do, you know, so, their so own twist on it. So last time I was out at your shop, it was about a year ago when you were still in California. Um, and you showed me your, I think it was your school, like your graduating piece. Um, it was that uh, bird's eye maple veneer. Oh, yeah, yeah, roof. with all the coves. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What, what would you describe that as? That one's a French art deco. That one's like a remake of a guy named who basically started the 
the French Art Deco stuff. Uh, his name was Jean Jacques Ruhlman. Um, yeah, if you look up Ruhlman Art Deco, you could find a lot of his stuff. So that was like a combo piece of a like sideboard mixed with like a dresser type thing. And I put those torpedo legs, those repeating curves, you know, onto a cabinet. Yeah, are you um, are you familiar with Charles Rennie Macintosh? Yes. Yeah, the yeah. Macintosh chair. That guy's awesome. He's yeah, one of, my, one of my favorites. Cool. Anywho, yeah. all right. So I guess we should talk about what else we're what, what we're working on. <laughs> <laughs> James, what are you working on? Well, uh, let's see. I'm pouring more epoxy and not on my floor this time. <laughs> That's nice. <laughs> the nice thing about it all leaking out is that it fill it fills all the the cracks. Um, and really, there was only one bubble. Looking at it, there was there was one spot where the tape kind of bunched up and created a tiny little void underneath the tape. And I didn't put a second layer over that, that spot. And that one little spot let all of it leak out. But I'm finally getting that back up. So hopefully, uh, probably this weekend, I'll be joining the two slabs together and making the tabletop one big piece. So that should be cool. But, I, but I'm overjoyed with how this epoxy fill is going in. It is um, very different from anything I've seen before and very I don't know. I kind of like it, but that's me. Uh, the other big thing going on this week is that I did. Uh, I had a couple friends come over. He's a professional videographer, and he wanted to do a couple. He wanted to do a video on teaching um, videography, and so he was looking for a subject. And he's like, "Oh, hand tools. Well, there you go." So he came over and brought over his. Uh, uh, he had a a, a, a phantom and a phantom a red. Um, what's the camera? Red. Uh, red. Um... Epic Dragon. Epic. Epic. Yeah. Uh, and so he's doing all this really high res slow motion. <laughs> so he had, those we had a fun Those cameras are amazing. What they yeah. Can do. <laughs> um, yeah. So I'm going to have a video coming out later today that is, I took some of his footage and turned it into a how to video. And so it's like my simple how to with like these, uh, these shots of, of dust floating in the air and the, the hand the plane coming curling across to the curl rolling out at, at uh, you know, 120 frames. And it's, it's absolutely mesmerizing. And I don't know if I, anyone's actually going to get any how to out of it other than just. <laughs> as soon as I had the ability to shoot 120 frames per second, I totally abused it. It was like, <laughs> as soon as I picked up that camera, I was like, I'm just shooting everything at 120 yeah, frames yeah. a second. <laughs> It's weird. Like I've had a, a few clips where I leave the frame rate high on accident, and it ends up looking like a like a Mexican soap opera. Like yep. when you're just at normal frame rate. <laughs> yep. When you shoot at thirty frames per second or sixty frames per second, uh, and then don't slow it down at all. <laughs> yeah. Let's yeah. see. Oh, the other thing I've got, I'm going to be announcing here soon the hand tool build off, <clears throat> of 2018, and so that is a chance for people to make hand tools, and then we um, have a way of giving those hand tools away to people who are getting started uh, with woodworking, and so it's it's kind of a, an interesting way to create a bunch of content about how to create hand tools yourself. Can you um, use power tools to create the hand tools? Yes. Yes. Um, and so that will be that'll be coming out. Um, june and july and i'm getting together the uh, prizes for that and so far we've got some some fairly cool prizes coming up but uh, yeah keep your your ears peeled for that let's see uh will what you got uh well i'm finally getting my head wrapped around this um walnut dining table uh and i'm making headway on that uh, and so this table came from uh, a walnut tree from the client's property from their farm they had it cut down and milled 
some six or seven years ago, and it's been sitting in their in the back of their garage, stickered and stacked. Um, since then, they wanted a elegant tabletop with breadboard ends, and then uh, two turned pedestal bases. So it's like a pedestal trestle. Uh, but the stock that they had, they only milled it to five quarter, and they want the pedestals to be around nine inches at the at the you know most bulbous of it. So I've just been jointing, planing, flattening, gluing up blanks. Like that's all I'm doing is just like jointer, planer, table saw, and glue and clamps. Um, and it's just, it's kind of an overwhelming project. I've never turned a pedestal that big. Um, Kyle, I know you turned a pedestal. I, was gonna say, I, pedestal. <clears throat> I love that stuff. That, that, that look like two massive pedestals is holding up a big, like piece of slab table is pretty awesome. Yeah, so I'm I'm struggling with because it was only five quarter, and after I milled the tabletop, um, it ended up at just over an inch, which isn't as thick as I'd like it. Um, but that's what the stock that they had and the sentimental value from the tree that came from their property, and it was air dried walnut, so I couldn't just like supplement it with you know six or eight quarter kiln dried walnut because they wouldn't match. Um, but yeah, so you, so you have to glue up a big lamination, then just a bunch of glue lines. Yeah, well, so they, I did it, uh, so it's not a big slab yet. There's probably nine-inch wide panels, eight-inch, nine-inch wide panels. The finished top is 42 by 88, um, but it's only an inch thick. So, it, I don't know. I'd like something beefier and, and whatever. But uh, anyway, so I'm trying to balance the lines on this table to make the pedestal base is not too overpowering for, like, such a thin top. But... Uh, Anyways, I've been kind of hemming and hawing on that, uh, but I'm finally making headway with that. Uh, I'm I made a bunch of coasters uh, last week uh, out of some white oak and put my brand on them with my new branding iron. I'm going to do a finishes test, comparing a bunch of different finishes with you know the uh, hot coffee cups, you know, spilling hot coffee on them, ice cold drinks that sweat all over the coasters. Um, and see which finish holds up best and kind of give my thoughts on all that uh, kind of real world test. I know a lot of people have questions about that. So, uh, and what else? Oh, uh, I'm doing a little research and development for Grizzly. Um, they sent me out a prototype of, well, not a prototype. I guess it's a prototype. I mean, it's not a new idea, but it's um, some not in production carbide, turning tools um, that they're thinking about picking up to add to their product line. So they sent me out um, that and I've just been kind of running them through their paces. What I think, what could be better, what could be worse. Um, and then I'm, I'm putting in a pool at my house. <laughs> <laughs> so that, uh, so I've been trying to wrap my head around that. I've been shooting elevations with transits and laying out, you know, future building, and just kind of getting stressed out about big projects like that and trying to get back into my film school Fridays. Yes. I miss those. Yeah. So I've, I've got a video coming out about uh, where to find music for your videos. And I've also got a company that's just sent me a motorized gimbal to support um, DSLRs and mirrorless cameras. So I've been playing with that and that's pretty fun. Um, so I'm going to put out two of those videos shortly. I'm hoping that one of them out tomorrow, but we'll see if that happens. And yeah, I think that's it for me. What do you, what do you got, Zach? Um, let's see what's new. Um, finished up that 
I actually did my first segmented thing um, just in time for, for Kyle to be on the, <laughs> the <laughs> podcast. Uh, I haven't actually posted really any pictures of the finished product on Instagram. I posted some on my stories the other day. But yeah, it's a segmented walnut cone bar stool thing with a, a walnut top. Um, it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of work. I, I mean, even like I, I have that miter set, which is amazing, but still like segmenting is a lot of work. It's, it's not, it's just tedious. It takes uh, and I didn't even do anything, you know, crazy. It was just all walnut segments, but you know, the math behind it and figuring out, you know, it was, it was like a perfect cone. So trying to do figure out, you know, the, how, uh, how, how much, uh, pieces and how to increase the the distance and stuff it was just tedious but it uh turned out really well so i finished that up yesterday um just been editing i mean i've been doing so much travel that i have i think i have like three or four videos of just footage on my computer that i just haven't had the chance to sit down and edit so um been doing a lot of that i am hoping to start on uh, a stand for my new anvil today so uh, that should hopefully only take a few days. Uh, that's pretty much what's new for me, that just trying to keep my shop clean. Like since reorganizing it and getting all the new tools and stuff that I did, I've just really been putting more effort into spending, you know, 20, 30 minutes at the end of each work day just to try and keep things, you know, cleaned up. Really. Dude, have you guys seen that Makita makes a robot vacuum for the floor? No. Yeah, I like saw it in someone's Instagram story, and I was like, "No way, that's real!" Because I have one, like, one of like the little Samsung ones that clean the house. But I'm like, if I, I put it in my shop, and it just destroys it. But this thing is like huge. Runs off two like eighteen volt batteries, and it will go for like two hundred minutes. It's got like a three quarter gallon bucket of that's crazy, you know, like stuff in there. So, well, <laughs> like maybe I'm gonna get one of those. I can't even like move myself through my shop i can only imagine something yeah automated the, trying to do that like the trimmings on my floor like if i'm you know milling down some rough stock and you know i face joint edge joint and then bring it over to my table saw to rip off the rough edge like nine times out of ten the the, the little strips that come off those pieces just end up on my floor right next to my table saw until i you know clean it up so <laughs> <laughs> I wonder what it does with uh, wood curls. I don't know. Yeah, that's a good question. Um, but back to, to the segmented turning, Zach, how did you, what did you use to cut the segments? Because if you've ever watched Kyle cut the segments, like he makes it stupid simple and it's just like, oh, you just, you just cut it on a miter saw. Duh. Like it's. I uh, use the, the miter set and just set my miter gauge on my table saw. And it, I mean, it went. I think it went as smoothly as it can possibly go. It's just, it's just tedious. I mean, I did 18 segments per ring and uh, that's just a lot of cutting, you know, for when you do, I think I had like probably 10 or 11 uh, different, what do you like rows or columns of rings. segments? Rings. Yeah. That would make sense. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah it, it was just tedious. I mean, it wasn't bad. It was just more than, it was one of those things where I was like, Oh, I'll knock, I'll get all this cut out and glued up you know, in a couple hours and it ended up taking me, you know, a day and a half. So yeah. I, I actually have a, I have video footage. I made a segmented bowl. Uh, it's a, a collab for another channel that we made probably about two years ago and never published the video, but actually cutting segments for a segmented bowl with hand tools. Uh, 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 nope. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, well, we, we've established that fact. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, cool. I'm so surprised you're not like recording everything on film and splicing it together. <laughs> I have a, I have a on great uh, camera. It's super eight. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so should we get in some questions? We have some good ones this week. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, you have you have one from uh, someone who contacted you, right, Will? Um, or no, it was you, Will. Me. Yeah. There's me. Um, well, the so Kyle, you seem to have somewhat of a new format and style since you moved into your new shop. Um, are you taking less commission projects in your new shop and building more for yourself? Uh, and how's that working out? Yeah, I stopped taking commissions altogether. It's something I've just been working for. It's what I set out to do when I started woodworking. And then I found out that no one knew me and you can't sell stuff if no one knows you. And you got to develop your own style and you know things like that. So when I moved here um, out of my shop in California to New Mexico, I said, I'm just going to stop taking commissions. It's a uh, cheaper to live out here uh, everything is cheaper so i'm like i could take a little you know price cut or pay cut until you know things pick up and they have you know so i make stuff for myself and it goes up on my website for sale i try and balance the time between making stuff for my house for my own you know enjoyment to like use forever and making stuff that'll go you know on my website for sale i think that's like the ultimate way to go because i mean when i started it was a hundred percent commission i mean everything that's how i paid my bills was all commission work and it's really nice to be able to just make what you want to be able to do what you want and then just sell it as is and you know that's one of the good things about having like a youtube instagram network is that you know there's it's not usually too difficult to sell your stuff and it, it is what it is you're not trying to to build to you know, a picture to try and, you know, try and put yeah. something out that's in somebody else's head. You just kind of build what you want and sell it as is. It's, it's really nice. Yeah, yeah. The most frustrating thing with commissions was like people's budget. And if you want to be able to make some money, you know, you can't mm -hmm. always do the things, you know, but at the end of the day, the person is getting what they want. And that, mm -hmm. that aspect is cool. You know, they're getting what they want. They're going to enjoy it. But I'm like, oh, if I had you know extra week, I could make this thing so much cooler, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. yeah so that That's, aspect was like was just frustrating well i mean it's just always more satisfying building things to your own standards than to somebody else's standards i mean you don't i mean that's that's what i think that's what we all want ultimately yeah that's what my ultimate goal is um just because i found with working with commissions is people want things that kind of don't exactly fit your style or like you know, I, I would really like to do it this way. And they'd say, no, but I really like this. And you're kind of like, eh, okay. And then you end up doing, making a project that you're not totally crazy about. Uh, but, but yeah, is that working out for you, Kyle? Like, are you selling? Yeah, it's working out great. I mean, I, I'll still take on commissions if they're within the style of things that I'm already doing. And I feel like that's a better way to go about it, you know, because then if you do get commissions, well, it's something that you're probably going to want to build anyways. You know what I mean? So mm -hmm. You know, if you build a bunch of one thing, people are going to know you for that thing. So if you take the time to make a little bit of a transition and build a bunch of stuff within the style you want, you know, you're probably going to get more people wanting that type yeah. of stuff because they're going to know you for it. So I think that kind of that's where you cross that threshold from, you know, production or being, you know, a craftsman into kind of the, the artist territory. And, you know, when you actually get to build things the way that you want to build them, you know, with no no re without reservations for you know any sort of compromising yeah it has been a little um 
I, I usually I I was used to working on multiple projects because I always had like a custom a couple you know customer jobs going and then my own personal stuff and now I've just been doing like one project at a time and I find that I can't I need more things to work on because I end up spending like too much time doing one thing and then it's like three days have gone by and there's only been a little bit of progress so I'm still working out like little things like that but you know yeah. it, it's just a matter of like getting going was like the that's hardest thing, so. That's also, I'd like to follow up on that because I'm having the same issue where I'm just like, I'll get to a point in a project where I'm not really excited about like that portion of it. Like I'm going to be in the shop milling all day, like just nothing creative, just like the grunt work. And so then I end up like procrastinating to the point where I get nothing done and then a day's gone by and then I still haven't gotten what I need done. Um, How do you try to stay motivated while, you know, when you kind of run into those days? Uh, I always have a like leopard print piece going on, like a big one. So if I'm ever just kind of frustrated or not getting anything done or just playing on my phone too much or finding other things to do, I'm like, you know, I could be sitting down doing some leopard print carving, getting some progress done. So I usually catch myself like 30 minutes into slacking off, not doing anything. So I'll just pull out the thing I want to work on and sit down at that. And usually after like two hours, I'm like, okay, I'm ready to go back to what I was supposed to be. (laughs) So it's like the way I thought of it when I took commissions is like, I have to get the things that I have to get done finished so I could do the things I want to do. It's like in the morning I would get everything I need at stores and go to my shop. So I don't have to leave. You know what I mean? So it's like, get everything done that you have to get done that you maybe don't want to do. Even if it's, you know, you're working on your own stuff, there's still those, things those steps that are just daunting or you build them up too big so it's just get all the stuff done yeah all right move on <laughs> so this is a good segue um there's another uh question in the live chat have you ever done your leopard print on a curved surface i have done it on uh curves outside curves haven't done it on inside curves yet um the hard part is not the actual carving uh through the curve because i make like a little curved uh, template that's the same shape as my curve that goes on to the little router base so that okay. way it, you know it sits basically flat um on there the hard part is gluing veneer on the curve surfaces if the curves uh, get to be too big um they wrinkle you need to make cuts you almost need to do it like in segmented work where you you know piece up like a corner something like that so hmm. it's a matter of time i'm still figuring it out I'm just doing a lot of experiment to to get there but Okay. I do hope to be able to do it on my bases and bowls. So okay. you have like a pattern of a bowl and then I wrap it in black veneer and carve through. So you have like this skin that's, you know, taking over the uh, piece. Cool. All right. So I'm just going to come at you. I'm just coming at you rapid fire because, <laughs> you know, we're it's a segue. Uh, we were, you were talking about, you know, those tasks that are kind of daunting in the shop that you kind of like, you're standing at the bottom of a mountain and you're like, I don't really feel like climbing this, but I have to. Um, have you ever walked away from a project because it was too big or too dangerous to turn? That question comes from me. No, I'm just getting going in the, in the big turnings. I want to do stuff that's, you know, twice as big. I hung up that 40 inch bowl platter up on the wall and I'm like, oh man, it looks so small. It's so <laughs> tiny. You know? Literally, I'm like, this thing is weak. It's, it's so small. So, uh, that stuff is a little intimidating to turn, but you know, if you trust your glue ups and you trust your ability to to do stuff, you know, I've never had a bowl fly apart because of, you know, glue error. 
Mm-hmm. So it's um, I feel like it's a fairly safe task if you know what you're doing. And I saw the bowl, but I didn't see the turning process. So how did you turn? Did you have a floor standing tool rest for no. something that big? You know, that monster lathe I got from, from Grizzly, I had to build some uh, um, riser blocks to go underneath it to rift it up an extra eight inches. Holy crap. <laughs> yeah. And then I got a, a threaded rod, put that on the bottom, but the threads weren't, they have a weird thread size on their, on their lathe. So I actually ended up putting ratchet straps over the top of the lathe. So it didn't go anywhere because I busted, I ripped the threads off one of the, the bolts that I had in there when I was doing some test like cuts. And basically that's, the way that the lathe is attached or the headstock of the lathe is attached to the body of the lathe. If that thing comes off, then, you know, you have a free spinning bowl. That's not, you know, really attached to anything. Too it turns into a helicopter. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so it becomes a, a, a robot war machine. Yeah. yeah so I, I lifted up the lathe and then I used the drop bed attachment that's on there. I don't have a floor standing tourist. If I had a floor standing tourist, you know, it'd be a lot easier. So that's the next step before. That's crazy. So they actually wanted to send me that same lathe, but I told them it was too big. <laughs> <laughs> so I went with the smaller one, but now like, but I'm also not Kyle Toth. So <laughs> uh, can't all be Kyle Toth. That's right. All right. And last, I feel like, uh, I feel like, I mean, you're obviously renowned for your turnings and stuff, but I think some of my favorite stuff that you've done is your non turned pieces, not taking away from your turn stuff, but I feel like, you don't get enough credit as like a traditional woodworker, like that falling brick table, I'm sure is gets, a, I mean, that's got a lot of views, but that's still one of the coolest pieces I think I've, I've seen. Yeah, that was a fun one. Yeah. So, so for, for those of you out there that are familiar with uh, Kyle as, you know, the, the God of turning wood, definitely check out some of his, you know, more traditional yeah. uh, woodworking videos as well. Cause they're pretty awesome. I hold Kyle. I'm just gonna brag on Kyle for a minute. I hold Kyle to be like the the shut up and just do it guy. Like a long, long, long time ago, like one of your earlier videos, you cut a round tabletop. You're putting the, a bevel on the bottom of a round tabletop on oh, the yeah. table saw. Mm-hmm. That looked insane, but you're just like, oh yeah, well, it's, I'll just cut it on the table saw and no big deal. Um, but yeah, I just the way that you just kind of get stuff done is is incredible. Thanks. Yeah, the the school I went to, they, it was a lot of problem solving, you know, within different steps. So it's breaking down that project into hundred steps, and within those hundred steps, you have you know twenty thirty steps. And if you can do just one little task at a time, you know, you can probably make just about anything. And it was a lot of like hand tool focus. So if you can't do that thing, you can always take the slow route and like James would. <laughs> hey there's things uh, you can do with hand tools that you just can't do with a power tool yes very true cool uh, all right so uh one last question and this is from your co-podcaster sean rabino uh, kyle what are some of your favorite sean moments <laughs> oh it's more so whenever there's like a an event you know like a woodworking event that you know a lot of people go to Sean obviously will go and he doesn't eat meat, but when he goes on these things, he's like, Oh, I'm away from the family and wife and I can eat and do whatever I want. And he goes and eats a bunch of meat and he gets all sick for like three days and he does it every single time. So I'm just like, what are you doing? Sean? What are you doing to yourself? That's you really can't. funny that you mentioned that because I think I, I remember running into him at the Oklahoma thing last year and like outside of Tulsa and it was the last day of the event. Everybody was leaving 
I had an entire package of bacon, like a whole big like pound block of bacon. And I cooked all of it up and I started giving it away to everybody. And I'm pretty sure he ate a good portion of it. So it's kind of funny that I know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> it's like you can't go from, you know, one extreme to the other and expect your body to be fine with it. You know, so I'm just like, but it's every single time it's like, oh, I ate a bunch of meat. And, you know, I got to go lay down and take a nap. I'm like, okay. <laughs> uh, so for anybody that doesn't know, Kyle uh, hosts a podcast called The Dusty Life with um, Sean Rubino and not – not Brian McCauley anymore. Who's who's your other host now? Grant Berger. Grant actually is a recent graduate of North Bennett Street School, the school I went to. Cool. Um, so yeah, he's on he's on board with us now. Sweet, cool, right on. What do you say we get a joke of the week? Sure, go for it. I, I got one sent to me, but it wasn't a woodworking joke, so I'm not going to share it. Well, why don't you add it to the, the, the list? I'll put it on for next week. But Well, I've got two here. Well, it's so. not like really a making-related joke. It was somebody oh. sent it to me on Instagram. It's a good joke, but it's just not. You know, not that a, that not was an excellent, excellent story, Zach. No problem. I, I, you know, oh, I was trying to add something to the conversation. So why, why is it that we like figured wood? Why not? Nice. With a, with a K-N-O-T. That's really bad. <laughs> he who laughs last usually had to have it explained. <laughs> oh, yeah. All right. <laughs> let's, let's talk about what's, uh, what's inspiring us. Uh, what are we watching or, or reading? Will, what you got? Um, well, so since I've been designing this outdoor pool space, uh, I've got a deck that sits about 10 feet off the ground, and it's been a while since I've cut... Um, stair stringers and trying to figure out the pitch and uh, where they're going to land once they hit the ground and where to put landings and things uh, and trying to teach myself SketchUp at the same time. I've been watching <laughs> how to design stair stringers in SketchUp. Uh, it's a pretty boring video, but it's pretty useful uh, yeah. by artist and Tony. Uh, yeah. So that's what I've been watching. Cool. Kyle, do you have anything you've been inspired by lately? Mm, well, it's a little bit of a different way to get inspiration, but I'm going on a trip. So my motivation is getting a bunch of stuff done so I can feel accomplished to go on a trip. Yes. I love <laughs> yeah. that feeling before a vacation of, of getting everything on the to-do list done. Yeah. And it, when you're self-employed, you never you never get enough done. Yeah. So there's always that battle. <laughs> yeah. Where are you going? Accomplished. Uh, going to Copenhagen, uh, Germany. Berlin and then over to uh, Paris France, and then into uh, like the wine region, Burgundy and Bordeaux and that old timey old village stuff out there in France. Sure. Are you going to be in Provence at all? I'm not sure. I I don't know too much. We're going into Tours. I think that's how you say it. And uh, which is like a region in Burgundy, I think. And then like within that area, there's a bunch of like old towns. Cool, yeah. We were, we were over a couple of years ago. We were over in Avignon, which is in mm-hmm. Provence, which is uh, a lot of good wine. Um, so, anyway, have fun, man. That, should, that sounds like an awesome, awesome trip. Yeah, yeah I'm really looking forward. Cool. Well, uh, I've been uh, watching the Hand Tool Rescue. Um, and if you haven't seen Hand Tool Rescue, he does, uh, it's not just hand tools, but it's a lot of other old machines and things and tears them down and completely restores them. Uh, it's, really really fun to just sit back and watch but he he's always using this wrench uh, that everyone's like oh where can i get that wrench and you really can't because it was last made in the 1800s <laughs> and so, so he finally decided to break down and actually make a whole bunch of these wrenches so he has 
Um, I think he ordered a hundred or so of them and he's now selling them on his website. And it's, it's, uh, it's kind of like a cross between a crescent wrench and a pipe wrench. Mm -hmm. um, and it's a, yeah, I've seen several other newer ones kind of like it, but it has a few features that some of the newer ones don't have. And uh, it's just really, really cool. So I'm looking forward to getting mine. But uh, yeah, definitely take a look at it. What you got, Zach? Um, you know, there was some, somebody that I found the other week that I was going to share and I forgot who it was. So I'm just looking at like one of my 400 open windows on my Explorer and I'm going to pick this one. Uh, I don't know how to pronounce it. It's like Tor... Torben Amen, Torbjorn. James, you want to try and butcher that for us? <laughs> Bob Gillespie. <laughs> it's uh, Tor Torben Amen, something like that. Uh, anyway, he's he's uh, some I think somewhere up in Scandinavia, and he just forges cool stuff. So nice videos. So if you're into that sort of thing, I suggest checking it out. Yeah, cool. That's it. Right on. So we have a. Do you have a favorite tool of the week, Zach? Um, I have so many favorite tools. It's hard to pick one. I don't remember what I. I never remember what I picked the previous week. Um, do you guys remember <laughs> what I picked last week? Uh, fear grinder, maybe. <laughs> okay. Um, uh, I don't think I picked. I don't think I picked the uh, like the Rockler glue roller thing yet. Have I picked oh, that yeah. yet? It's uh, anyway, I'm going to pick that this week. It's awesome. It uh, rolls glue on stuff exactly the way you would expect it to. And they also have like this silicone, silicone, yeah, silicone mat that you can. Uh, it's mm -hmm. pretty much the same stuff that they make their rollers and brushes out of, but it's in matte form. So you can glue on it. And uh, so fun to clean glue out of. Yeah. I'm just going to wait until it's like solid so that I can just peel it off in a sheet. Yeah. And send the video to Paul Jackman. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah so like those, silicone, those silicone glue, glue stuff. That What's that? I said I like those the, the silicone glue brushes. Yeah, that they would work with epoxy. I was like scrounging for a brush. I was like, whatever, I'll use this because I have a bunch of them. And I just left it there. And the next day, I came back and it just peeled it all off. And the epoxy I thought came it was, off. Yeah, the epoxy yeah. just came right off. I oh, thought it was man. like done when after I used it, but that's awesome. That's what I use for a lot of my like wiping epoxies. Hmm. Huh. Yeah. Good to know. So, silicone and glue. It's a magical combination. It's a winning combination. Yeah. Uh, the the kid bowls, the silicone kids bowls for like snack food things. I use that for mixing small batches of epoxy. Because when huh. I'm done, I just flip it inside out and the, the epoxy just pops off. Wow. Huh. I think that's the best tip we've had in a long time. It was time. actually one of my one of my favorite tools of the week. Like back when we first started like episode two or three. I remember that. Yeah. And then Johnny bought them. Yeah. Johnny bought a whole batch of them. We all have these like kids bowls that are, they yeah. all have like, you know, becoming pink and blue and yellow. And <laughs> so my, this is kind of off topic, but I guess that's what I do. But, uh, last week, my dad, cause he's been like, he's fallen in love with my lathe. So he like comes over every day and like turns pens and tries to make stuff out of epoxy and stuff. And like the other day he took like a pressure cooker like I grew up around this guy and he is never like he would never spend an extra dollar to purchase something if he thinks he could build it himself. Mm -hmm. And like he succeeds, but everything is as sketchy as you would possibly want to be associated with. So he made like this epoxy pressure pot out of a pressure cooker and like 
<laughs> it's like a bicycle tire valve that's like silicone to the top of the thing. <laughs> so yeah, we've been messing around with that. It works pretty well, but I'm always scared it's going to just explode. <laughs> what are you using? Like art, uh, uh, cactus juice, or what are you using in your little epoxy pressure pot thing? I have no idea. It's just epoxy. What's cactus juice? That's what you use to. Uh, Stabilize yeah, like it's a heat activated um, single piece epoxy. Huh. So that's different than normal epoxy. Yeah, a normal epoxy is a, a, a two part mix, and then it, it chemically cures. Yeah. Whereas, uh, okay, I, I don't know. I've never used it. A lot of a lot of uh, proficient turners that are like trying to stabilize some crazy wonky blanks use it. Yeah. I always just assume that stabilized was just like pressure and epoxy. Like filling. If you up have a really thin lines. epoxy, like like an ego epoxy, it would work. Huh. But yeah, so many epoxies out there. Yes, <laughs> I, I've got like six of them in my table right now. Yeah, I mean, cool. I think like my my dad was making some pen blanks and stuff, and like some of them, we pulled it out and they're like floppy after two days, and it's like bendy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right. Good segue into Kyle. Do you have anything uh, like in your shop floppy right now that you're Kyle? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Zach starts going off topic. Just say Kyle. Um, do you have a favorite product that, that you're like really in love with right now? Um, I don't know if I'm. Well, it's not like a favorite product, but I had to get the bottom of uh, this very large bowl. I had to get the waste block off, and it was a piece of eight quarter white oak, maybe like thirteen inches round. That was the waste block that got glued on the bottom of the bowl. And normally you would turn it off on a smaller bowl, but that's not really an option on something this big. So I went to Harbor Freight and I just got the electric uh, hand plane. Mm-hmm. And man, that thing kicked butt, dude. It took like six, seven minutes to, you know, just grind off the the bottom of this uh, waste block. Normally I would use like an angle grinder if it's like a smaller, you know, waste block. But this thing was just so big, it was going to make way too much of a mess with uh, the angle grinder. So I got the little Harbor Freight uh, electric hand plane with my 25% off coupon. It was like 23 bucks. Nice. Wow. Do yeah, you... <laughs> Do you have a, a vacuum chuck? No, I don't have one. You ever anybody ever used one of those? No, I want one though. They seem pretty awesome. I've, I have um, the vacuum bag set up and all that stuff, so I'm. I wonder how that would work on my spring part, pole. That would be the most abominable. <laughs> that's weird. <laughs> on that note, what do you got, Will? Oh. Uh, oh, shirts, my shirts. Um, so I've got, uh, I've had my logo, my, my logo shirts. I can, I've got my logo shirts, but I have a new shirt on my uh, Teespring store and it just says, sometimes I make things and it has my logo under it. Um, and I don't know, it's just kind of a fun little design. So yeah, trying to push my own swag. <laughs> so anybody out there that wants to, sometimes I make things shirt, click the link in the live chat or in the shop notes. Right on. <laughs> well then, cool. I will. I, I will want launch one. out the uh, the hand tool res- the hand tool rescue wrench, um, as I have ordered one and I'm looking forward to playing with it. So and they're 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 dirt cheap. I mean, he's making these himself and selling them for like thirty five bucks a piece. Wow. Um. So, <laughs> yeah, I think it was thirty five. Maybe it was twenty five. Something like that. They're. they're I, I looked at the price and said that cheap. Yes, I'm buying one. I was expecting something you know like fifty sixty bucks for a wrench. Because I spent well over a hundred dollars on a wrench before. You spent a hundred dollars on a puzzle, right? <laughs> <laughs> hey, my puzzles are only forty nine ninety nine. Oh, okay. Cool. 
Well, uh, I think that about does it for this week. I want to say a huge thank you to Kyle for coming on. This has been a, a lot of fun. Yeah, thank you, guys. Uh, if you want to uh, find out more about Kyle, I have uh, links to his uh, website and uh, YouTube channel in the description as well as the, the show notes. So feel free to uh, go avail yourself of those. I uh, want to say a huge thank you to our patrons on Patreon and uh, especially the two new patrons who came on this week and looking forward to seeing where this goes in the future. And like super, especially the old patrons, patrons, yes. patrons who've stuck with us and given us the most money. Yes. <laughs> You and shirts are, are coming best. soon <laughs> yes we're we're on it finally it's taken us a while but <laughs> it's only taken us 79 episodes to get shirts <laughs> <laughs> i know the battle yeah. <laughs> well that about does it then so uh, right. until next time have a wonderful day later see ya adios thanks again for listening to the creators collective we publish weekly on thursdays in itunes stitcher and google play you can follow us on social media pages everywhere at Creators Collective. We're also live streaming every week on Thursday at 10 a.m. Eastern Time. Just look up the YouTube channel to join in on the fun of the live chat and get your questions answered live. And until next time, keep on creating.